1: There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting, too much noise altogether. In silence there's strength and peace and space imagine. silent forever. The Penis Project Podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate, prostate cancer, 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 cancer Incorporated, cancer a not-for-profit charity set up in 2012 by me. myself, Dr. Joe If you want to know any more information about PROST, including our online service now available, please just go to prost.com.au. PROST means cheers to your health, so PROST to you.
0: So hello everybody, welcome to The Penis Project and we're just talking today to Mish who's talking to us all the way from South Africa uh, which is very exciting and we're going to ask him how on earth he found us and he has been through the prostate cancer journey he's a survivor he was diagnosed about a year ago and he is also the author of a fantastic blog that you should all look into which is called The Recovering Man and we'll have
1: the link to that in our show notes. Okay, so let's get started. Hey, well, Mish. Welcome, Mish. It's um, really exciting. I have found out through our emails that you've got a bit of a connection to some work that I did previously as well with a little bit of physiotherapy. So tell us how you found out all about the Penis Project podcast in Johannesburg, South Africa.
2: Wow. <laughs> I like the way that pause. How did you find out about the penis? Because <laughs> that's kind of like, that's the thing about being a man is it's so mesmerizing having this thing. <laughs> so um, anyway, how how I found out about the penis project was that um, my penis stopped being so mesmerizing about a year ago after my prostate surgery and it got worse. You know, the first month or so was all very exciting, recovering from the surgery and like and then it was like waiting for my first PSA test and like, wow, isn't that amazing? PSA is undetectable. So it was kind of exciting, but by, and I, and I still had some erectile function um, after a month or two, but by month three, there really was nothing left. And I was terrified because I'd, I'd learned, you know, use it or lose it. And yet um, I was gonna use this thing because it wasn't usable. Um, it was a real dilemma. I went to my surgeon, he knew nothing. He already, he said, you already know more than me about this. Um,
0: wow. So that I is. just
2: started searching in like month three. I just started searching and searching and I found all these very technical things and that didn't help me much. And then I found Victoria Cullen's website, attachysubject.com. And I was like, ah, there's a Life person talking on. to me. <laughs> there's a person talking about who's who, like, who gets it, how concerned I am that this, you know, this old friend of mine that's been like source of, joy and pleasure to me and my partner for to me for 50 years you know it's just like gone there's a feeling of abandonment oh. and and fear that that um because I'm being told like there will be permanent damage if you don't use it but I can't use it
0: so who was so it that actually Victorian. told you that Mish who was it that told you that you have to use it or lose it but then didn't give the bet you didn't know how to use it
2: you know, I don't know exactly who told me, but, you know, as I was Googling, I, that's what I was reading. Yeah. And, yep. and it's now certainly on Victoria's side that, like, um, you know, something like 2,000 erections are the ones you lose due to the lack of nocturnal erections in the first year. The housekeeping erections, um,
1: that was, yeah, part of.
2: Yeah, and I was like, my God, yes, it's true. I'm not getting those, and I can't even make coax them. Yeah. So she got me going. Um First thing, I think, really was the, the vacuum rect That was one of the things that she published. And it happens to be made in South Africa. But it does. It was designed like yep. 60 kilometres from me by an engineer who had the problem.
0: Yeah. So isn't it um, interesting that, that it was designed in South Africa, but you have to go all the way to Australia to find someone to tell you about it and tell you exactly, how to use it?
2: Exactly. And it was just that there was somebody speaking in plain English and addressing my real concerns, so she very quickly put me onto Joe. I mean, you know, on her website I found videos from Joe. And I don't know if this was the first one, Joe, but the one that really got me was where you were you're the only person to date who has who has acknowledged that for some men erectile function decreases for the first few months. Yeah. Nobody and- else has ever said that. And I'm, again,
1: that just came about through my own experience from clinical observations in more than one man and and then just seeking the advice of a urologist who, you know, bridged that as well, that little gap in knowledge and said, look, it's probably just because of the way the nerve uh, initially goes into that neuropraxic or coma-like state in the first three to four months before it more or less starts to thaw out. So yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad that was a little piece so, of information that helped Helped you. Well, I well, I realized
2: that you talk to your whatever you call them, patients, clients, whatever, you know, and you listen to them. And I was like, yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I found someone who actually listens.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was so amazing. And and yeah, that that sense of the sort of um shrinking, shriveling nerves makes complete sense. And that you know the external manifestation, as I say, was terrifying.
1: So um, what happened after the third month?
2: Well. Um, I got this pump, and I was like, wow, I can pump this thing up. And that was super exciting, because as I finally learned from the, first, the only male uh, doctor I've heard who's talked about this, who's actually had it, a guy called Steve something in the UK, he said, he talked about the exquisite pleasure of an erect penis. And I was like, yeah, you're right, I'd forgotten but it's, you know, there's all this stuff about how you can have orgasms without erections, and it's true. And by then I was. But they're much more fun when it's erect. And it's just, it's just how we built, you know? It's just like when it's all stretched and tight, it feels better.
0: And also So do you think um you described in some one of the emails you sent that you felt despair? And is that just because you looked down and he wasn't like he used to be?
2: It was. I remember saying, I was, was talking about this call to my wife yesterday. And in that period, four to six months, the, the sort of despair was like, okay, so maybe it's all over and I can adapt to that. But maybe it's not because the surgeon basically said, wait from six to 24 months. And if it's, if it gets better, it'll get better. And if it doesn't, after 24 months, then it probably never will. And I said, well, what do I do between now and then? He said, well, here's some Cialis,
1: uh, which had
2: no impact on me. Um, And I said, but he said, it's science-backed. I said, but I've read the papers and the science doesn't really back it. He said, yeah, well, actually, you're right. (laughs) Um, But it's the only thing we have. Um, That's what he said, you know. So then I found from Victoria, I found the pump. But then the big problem in four to six to eight months really was like, that didn't do much for lovemaking. And I think this is a big thing for me as a man is that like I kind of could do it on my own. But I was thinking this morning, you know, I don't know about for you, but masturbation is a private thing and it's like it's quite deeply ingrained. Don't get caught masturbating. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. And now
2: you've got this great big perspex thing. <laughs>
1: the plastic kind of, vacuum pump.
2: Yeah. And it's going to be even more embarrassing to be caught with that. So there was a long period where I was kind of doing this in the shower or doing it like, you know, lockdowns help sort of in my, pretending I was on a Zoom call or something and closing my door. (laughs) But it took a while for me to say to my wife, you know, I'm feeling awkward about this thing. And she straight away said, Hey, I'm used to awkwardness. Remember when I used to have a diaphragm when we were younger, it was also a horrible rubbery thing covered in lube, and I was kind of like, trying to stuff it into myself and it yeah. would slip out and spring across the bed. Yeah. And I went, oh, yes, you're right. And I didn't think that was a bad thing because the outcome was we could have sex. Yeah. She yeah. said, well, get used to it, Mish. I don't think it's a bad thing if you have to use an awkward perspex thing and chase this floppy sausage around with lube and cock rings <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. Because if it works, we can have sex. Yeah. Oh, and that she normalised like it. Huge revelation. Sorry, Joe.
1: I was just saying the way she just normalised it for you, just to you know reflect on the yeah. fact that at her own time of need, you were there for her and you worked through it together, and it wasn't that a difficult was, thing.
2: That was huge for me. I think. I say. I was, it was so private, mm. and then it was like, oh, actually, it doesn't have to be so private.
0: But I think also sex in general is awkward and a bit funny and a bit silly, isn't it? And if we can look at sex that way in general, it's so much easier, you know, like we all get a bit hung up. You watch the movies or whatever, and it all looks like it's perfect and it all flows easily. But in real life, it never really does.
2: Oh, man. Well, certainly not in my real life. (laughs) That is so important. And I, I think, I mean, it's really hard to take on board what you just said. Mm. you know there's so much mystique attached to it. there's so much of for me almost a lot of the desire is about that it's it's like it takes some magic to get there. Mm. but actually as my sister-in-law says it's a normal bodily function yeah it's just something our bodies want to do mm-hmm. and as you said so rightly, it's kind of messy yeah um and and I mean that's what we sort of finally by about six months or so we started just, laughing and giggling and experimenting and playing with this thing um but it's perhaps useful to note that I'm still saying playing with this thing so I would say by six months I was still kind of focused on my penis you know it was like um that was always the center of my sexual experience. and, and we had done tons of work to expand and work with the whole body and done lots of tantric sex workshops and blah blah blah. But when push comes to shove and you take that thing out of the equation, I know I was still missing it. Mm.
0: So when you say you did tantric workshops and things, was that pre-prostate cancer, so you'd been quite experimental yeah. pre? Yes? Yeah. And then how yeah. did you then did those things come back to you? And did you how did you discover that you could still have sexual pleasure without the penis being the 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 first the top performer or the the main part?
2: Mm. You know, I think we sort of started, but I look back at that period, sort of six months-ish period, and it was like both of us, and I was asking my wife, and she was saying last night, she was saying I was kind of I didn't quite know what to do with this. I didn't quite know what to do with you and I didn't know quite what to do with this. Um, And I was definitely, and I was saying, like, I think I need more touch. And I think I'd like you to touch me all over my body. And she was saying, yes. But what we started realizing was actually our pattern was probably 80, 90% of the focus had been always on her body. And it was just like, I was kind of always on. And so, and when I was younger, it's kind of like, don't touch me too much, or it might be all over. Mm. Um, so, we would kind of built that pattern of a lot of focus on her. And I suddenly come to bed and say, Well, I want you to play with my nipples. And she's like, Yeah, fine, 10 seconds. You know, that's I don't enough. Know how I do that. And i was I don't like, know. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I need more. I'm more like you now. Uh-huh. And I, I, I kind of was saying, It's like my body's a bit more sort of girly. I mean, it's a bit of a rude word to use, but.
1: But in need a, of a bit more attention and a bit more. In,
2: yeah. The way I've experienced and I, I don't know how everybody else's bodies are, but the women that I've been with, I've found to be more uh, subtle, more elusive, more um, moving up and down in their response than my body mm. was. And now my body's exactly like that. It. I don't want to use the pun here, but it comes and it goes and it it's kind of my sexual energy rises and falls and it kind of, um, it's elusive and my, my I, sexual parts are slippery.
0: Can I ask you, it sounds like in the past, and I don't know if this is, if I'm summing this up, but it sounds like in the past you've never really had to think about your sexuality and how it works and all of a sudden post-surgery, it's like you actually have to think about it. Like it's, it's just, mm. it's not so easy to tap into. Is that, is that right? Or? Well, I mean,
2: I happen to have thought about it a lot before, but then the, there was a new way of thinking about it. Um, and I think for many men, it is a first time to have to think about it because we are built in such a sort of obvious, straightforward way. You know, it's outward and it's, it's there, and it's like when we're young, as I say, it's just like always it's on there. All you the know, time. And it's actually. It's been a problem, actually. Yeah, and and now it's like I have to rethink and I have to adapt. And I can't be and we can't be. I mean, what I want to say is at the sort of four-month mark, I realized the thing that I've read about happening was starting to happen to me, which is pulling away from my partner. Mm -hmm. Because if we hug or cuddle... It might lead to more. If it leads to more, it's going to end in disappointment.
1: Mm. So you you felt awkward around this, you mentioned. Yeah,
2: because I found that when we did, in the first few months, we were actually able to have penetrative sex. And it was a little, you know, awkward and floppy, but it was like, well, you know, I just had surgery. Thank goodness we can still do this. So it was all pretty hopeful. Mm-hmm. But by the third month, it was like, oh, well, she had a good time. And it felt nice to me, but but I faded away. And mm-hmm. it kind of and then a few months later, it's like we're kind of humping away, but there's nothing there anymore. <laughs> and that was so scary that we were like, we thought we weren't wired like that. Yeah. We thought we were way beyond that. But actually our bodies were sort of wired to thrust and move in a particular way. And there, there was nothing <laughs> nothing there to hold us together, you know.
0: Yeah.
2: And I kept saying, you know, I want to be like a lesbian, but but I'm not actually. And it it, it was difficult. So you asked a question a few minutes ago. How did what helped? One of the big things that helped was that I'd been following Victoria's website and finding wonderful people like Joe in the process. And and I was also searching for physiotherapy, but we'll come to that a little later. Then what happened was um Victoria released this thing, which was then called Soft Penis Pleasure. And it's now, I think, called just Pleasure Masterclass. And I was like, eh, do I want to pay for this? Do I, you know, is it going to help? And surely we know all this. And my wife and I said, well, I'm sure we know all this, but let's take it anyway. And what do you know? Everything she said, probably perhaps we did know because of all these previous workshops, but it was a complete revelation to us. And it was more in the energy that she came with. Tess, she came with this energy of complete acceptance, first of all. I mean, she holds up, I don't know how she found it, but she holds up a floppy dildo. I mean, really, who wants, who makes those things? But it's like a (laughs) penis-like device. We've got floppy dildos.
1: (laughs) Floppy products.
2: (laughs) I thought it was fascinating. So she holds up a floppy model of a floppy penis. And she talks about it with such delight and joy and then goes through what you can do with such a thing um, without this focus that I had been stuck in of, like, I wish it was odd. Yeah. It's just like, what can you do with it? Um, and th- there was something about the delight and the permission to delight that was really shifted things for both of us. Wow.
1: So just was- to um, help with those listening, this uh Actual masterclass is available through the website from Victoria Cullen, and it's actually conducted by Tess DeVess. And what is it actually? Is it a is it a uh, just a one off um, lecture, or is it a, a program that you have to do and
2: commit to? It's a, it's it isn't it isn't. She's got another one which is a long program. This is short. But it's, it's centered around, I think, a few videos. I can't exactly quite remember how many, but there's this, like the central video was completely, yeah, there was a buildup of a few videos, if I remember rightly. Then there's a central video, which was, I say, quite um, mind-bending for us. And, you know, and we took, took the ideas off to bed and it, it was gorgeous, lovely. And there were great supporting materials, like there was a cheat sheet that we could like print out and have next to the bed. Excellent. Um, and and it was really here yeah, a whole lot of steps, essentially for a partner to to perform on the man that is is disabled in this way, um, and you can do for yourself as well.
0: And how did you both feel about that? Like having a piece of paper next to your bed. You know that we were just talking before about that whole. You know, we we have on movies that it all comes easy and natural. Like, Was that fun or was it confronting or or how did you feel about it?
2: You know, I feel a bit confronted by it. My wife is crystal clear that Mm -hmm. like all her life, she's had to go through various things to be fit, to be healthy, to have babies, to have sex. Many of those things are not very nice. A lot of the birth control sat always on her shoulders and having babies is all this prodding around and so on. So, she suggested years ago already, let's start having date nights. And I was always resistant. And from all the forums I'm on, it seems that we men are a little more caught up in the myth of spontaneous sex. Yeah. And God, I hear that over... so
0: often about this whole spontaneous sex thing. And my theory on that is, is you plan for a holiday and you look forward to it and you get excited and there's a bit of build up. And I think sex can be the same, particularly when you're in long-term relationships.
2: Well, women seem to get that. Men don't. I <laughs> had <have my, laughs> to have my balls cut off to to, to really figure it out. <laughs> now I do. Now I do. And I mean, the other day we were planning for a date night. And then over dinner, we started talking about it. And I started saying, well, you know, I don't really want to try and do penetrative sex because I don't think I'm going to be able to get it up. And I just think that'll be just, I'm not in the mood for that. So we So we're talking over dinner about what we might do. And that—that's so unmanly. It's just like you don't do that. You don't really do that as a man.
0: Did you find it why. arousing? Well, having the conversation was it arousing?
2: It was too matter of fact. You know, there's a way of doing this that's arousing and talking about what we're going to do, but talking about what I can't do and stuff—it's too—it's too much like—it's too <laughs> much like. <laughs> thing of chasing a floppy sausage with with lube slipping and the the ring falling off and the pump not sealing and all that that's not sexy it's just awkward yeah but it's worth it
1: (laughs) good now you sent us some very um, interesting comments and i'm just going to reflect on a couple of those now Uh, we're wondering how uh, you feel that your genitals actually have changed in sensation and feeling because Melissa and I often say, oh, if only we had a penis for 24 hours, like <laughs> how how we would then much better understand our patients. So mm-hmm. could, could you describe any feeling or could you describe the, the difference in sensations of, of your mm-hmm. penis before the prostate surgery compared to after?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm blessed that it's starting to recover, so now I'm making sense of it. So before, as I say, it was just my best friend and a, a source of, of entertainment that, that was kind of a renewable resource. Um, and and it also was greatly pleasurable to me to kind of keep it going for a long time. My wife and I kind of you would be sexually connected almost every night, but not always orgasmic, Just connecting. After the surgery, initially, as I say, it, it kind of kept going for two or three months to the point, and she would sort of say, oh, well, that looks usable. Let's quickly not waste that sort of half an erection. <laughs> um, but as I say, after about three months, that's where I like to describe the sensation was just a little bit rubbery, mm. you know? it. I could if I really focused, I could get it to have an orgasm. But it's like, I had a focus, like I could only do it on my own. Like, if there's another person around, that means by definition, it's not 100% focus on me. I had to be completely focused on myself and I had to work at it. And the same sort of spots were still pleasurable but now that it's recovering, I realize they were a lot less pleasurable. So they keep saying the one nerve, the pleasure nerve is different from the erectile nerve. Somehow the pleasure nerve was a little less sensitive. Mm-hmm. I think quite a lot is to do with the, when the tissues are swollen, all the surface feels much like touching an erect penis feels a lot nicer than touching a floppy one. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that sort of touch that, you um, I think everybody has that feeling that there's a, a sensitive spot and it kind of moves around a bit. Um, okay. I noticed this in my female partners as well, that it isn't, it's not like there's not an exact spot that you can map on a GPS and just go there. It's like, yeah, somewhere around there and then feel where's the right place. That got much more elusive for me.
0: Okay. And so now that your feelings are coming back, is it find easier to find that?
2: it is it's still that's still part of what's difficult um i think what's really also difficult is the what i have described so far is the first to come back the 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 nerve stimulation part is the first to come back the one via the brain has been much slower to come back so it used to be normal that if i was to hug my wife i would feel a little tingling and stirring down below mhm And that was at four months, that was the scary thing where I almost wanted to be angry with her because, like, I could hug her and nothing happened. And and I know it freaked her out as well Mm -hmm. because I was, like, always so obvious before. So she thought maybe I wasn't turned on by her anymore. That, that being able to hug her or, like you said, talk about sex and have something stir, that's taken, mm, I would say, 12 months to to Mm. come back. And and have you been Another doing fourteen months?
1: Have you been um, doing anything else in the meantime, from um, you know, from a more medical point of view? Have you continued with the medications? Of, yeah. Did you ever try penile injections, for example? Did you need to?
2: I didn't. I, I was put off by the penile injections. Now that I've read more about them, I think I would have tried them, perhaps, sure. but I, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I um the the next thing I got from Victoria was one of those uh, vibrators. Yep. And I still use that, with that the, Manta, the Manta that she recommends. Yeah. yeah, And I sometimes, like a few times a, a week, I'll be sitting at my desk and I'll just like pop it in my pants and leave it there for 15 minutes, kind of just vibrating the whole sort of perineal area. And it feels therapeutic. I know you, Joe, have been doing research on that on with shockwave therapy, and I know this is not the same, but it's a rumbly kind of a vibrator. And it, it just feels like, oh, it's helping to heal those tissues. Mm-hmm. But what we've left out completely—the main thing that I think made the huge difference and really tidied me over from month six to month twelve—was the physiotherapy. Okay. So, great.
1: Happy to. So I past. was. I I wish I could go and see Joe Millios. Like, <laughs> oh, too far away. <laughs> so, tell us what you and, did. What you know, you found out about well, a local physio. I
2: I asked I asked a physio friend of mine, who said he's you know it's not his thing. But he said he looked around and he sent me a couple of names. And um there's a there's a, a website called mysexualhealth.co.za uh, that has a, a consortium of of people like you, Melissa, and people like you, Joe, and a few other sort of specialities all around sexual health. And I found somebody there whose first name is Hester. I can't quite say, think of her last name right now. Oh,
1: Hester, yeah. So,
2: yeah, you know Hester, because, yes, she said yes. you trained her. Yes. yes. So Hester is fantastic. And she was one of the few who said I also work with men. So I went to see her in, at about month seven or eight, somewhere there. And she, she actually did a huge amount of work with recovery from the surgery with adhesions right through my whole abdominal abdominal cavity. And I was amazed. And I've since heard of a couple of people, including um, um, a relative, who didn't do that and who had massive problems with adhesions and, and bowel constrictions and terrible things that happened. So, again, my surgeon should have sent me to a physio for that alone, hmm. just to get all the tissues moving.
1: I've just looked and up in she... our little Facebook group. Sorry to interrupt. Hester Van Aswegan.
2: That sounds right.
1: Yeah, in Pretoria. Yep.
2: Yes, yeah, she's well,
1: oh, sorry, uh, studied at the University of Pretoria. So if anyone yeah, else is she's based, in South Africa. She moves all
2: around Johannesburg, Pretoria area. I saw her sort of halfway, in, sort of halfway between Johannesburg and Pretoria. She was she, very interested
1: in having me do some teaching over there.
2: Yeah. So she, um, very matter of fact, she kept asking me, what's your biggest problem? Every time I saw her, what's your biggest problem? I said, well, it's erectile function. And she, she taught me to move my sort of pelvic floor exercises. I'd, I think I already knew your nuts to guts thing. So I'd, I was kind of on the basics. Yep. But she helped me move the whole thing forward. Um, I had been doing a lot of kundalini yoga. So my pelvic floor was very strong already. But it was very much the, the yoga was really based on the base chakra, which is nearer the back, more sort of around the anal area. Yes, yes. She sort of helped me move it forward. And she pointed out to my horror that it wasn't as strong as I thought and really got me going on the basic strengthening and endurance exercises. Um, And you found that really helpful? I found that extremely helpful. I then kind of got limp emotionally limp again after about two months of that because it didn't fix it. You know, so that's improve- the real learning from the cancer, right? Did you, <laughs> you notice like- that there
0: was more blood flow during that time into your penis?
2: Yeah, it definitely felt better. Okay. It definitely felt better, but it just didn't fix it.
0: It wasn't
2: 100%. Yeah. And she had told me about another of your proteges, Melissa, mm. who's now moved to Australia, um, Pierre Russia. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I. I knew she told me that he has one of those biofeedback machines. So he lives like six hours' drive from me. So I hadn't seen him. But then we were going for Diwali with my daughter-in-law's family in, in Durban. So we went for the Diwali weekend in November. And and I and I got hold of Pierre and said, Look, I'm coming to Durban. Can yeah. I see you? And he said, Yes. And he made two appointments for me. And he, I think it helped that he's a man, that he yeah. was. Like I was more easy about him digging all around my pelvic area with a with an ultrasound probe, and he was trying out new techniques that are like through the perineum rather than through the whatever it is abdominal the area. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. a real
1: time ultrasound. You saw some real time ultrasound. ultrasound,
2: and he had me. I was watching on the screen, and I was there's something about those muscles that that feel you can see on the screen, but our listeners can't. There's a kind of a big sling of pelvic floor muscles that are quite easy to feel and get better at pulling tight and loosening and strengthening blah, blah. But there's actually something that's more like the shaft of a penis that kind of goes through those muscles and into the erection. And you feel it the most when you're having an orgasm. There's something that's kind of like pushing through there. And actually, there's some muscles. I don't know exactly how it all works, but there's some muscles that you can exercise that are like the base of yeah, that's their called the
1: bulbo cavernosis.
2: Okay, well, there yeah. you go. I didn't really get that until I went to him. And the, the, the biggest thing he did for me, actually, apart from all this amazing feeling and identifying all those muscles in my own groin and so on, was the boy thing is that when you're standing in the shower, you can twitch your dick. It's just like, <laughs> of course. So he said, Can you? I said, Of course I can. So he said, just try it. And then I went, because I had two appointments. He said, try it. So I went home the next time I was in the shower. I discovered I couldn't. Mm. I hadn't realized you that I couldn't. You wave at yourself anymore. Every boy can do that. <laughs> but a man after prostate surgery can't. And so you
1: to get that reconnecting.
2: He said, you've got to practice. So I've been doing that now. And now, now my wife and I have this nightly exercise thing where she says, get out your ring and your pump and pump yourself up. And then she keeps me erect by stroking me and I do all of Pierre's exercises, which I are just a need whole to lot of the extended point, yeah? exercises. Yeah. Sorry,
0: every single man listening to this is going to just wish they had a wife like yours, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You're a lucky well, man.
2: I am an extremely lucky man and I'm very, very grateful for that. Mm. And all the forums mm. that I've been on most of the women who contribute are much less squeamish than their men. Mm. So, if you're a man listening to this, get over yourself and ask your wife if she'll do this. <laughs> mm. I bet you she'll say yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's a good point. Very good point. Maybe often the problem is is that guys just don't feel comfortable communicating.
2: <laughs> It's awful. I mean, yeah. here I am. I'm supposed to be the one who's doing all the, the stuff. Lying on my back with this floppy thing, and my wife kind of nursing it. That's not what she's supposed to be do. She's supposed to be sexually aroused by it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's hard to, to let myself be that. I suppose okay. it's a kind of submissiveness, but it's also um it's also a little bit. It's, it's partly sexual and partly not, and that's very confusing because mm-hmm. it does feel nice, mm-hmm. but it's and, also therapy, and it's weird.
1: And more therapy. You, you you mentioned also that we could ask you about how you could do your pelvic floor exercises during sexual activity to improve orgasms, or there was some technique you wanted to share with us?
2: I think, I don't know if there's something more there. That the, um, the big thing for me was that, Hester and Pierre both said, "If you want to improve your erections, you need to do the exercises while you're erect." And I was like, "Yeah, fine. Where do I find an erection?" Yeah. Mm. And and so for me, this has been the big thing: is first of all, big deal. First of all, to get over myself about masturbating in a sort of therapeutic way, and find space for that. The second thing is to get over myself and ask my wife to help with some mix of masturbation and and, um, rehab. And then the third thing is to get over the fact that if we do have penetrative sex, it's not going to be like it used to be, but it's still a pleasurable connection. She can't really tell the difference, as she's pointed out. There are not that many nerves inside a vagina. It doesn't make that much difference to her exactly how hard I am.
0: No. It makes a hell of
2: a difference to me. Mm. And I have to get over that and just go, you know what, I am so glad we are connected. Yeah. It because is you're, fabulous.
1: You're only one year post-operatively, so there's another whole year of nerve yes. recovery to, you know, in your yes. normal time frame.
2: And beyond And I want to put my hands around myself and go, oh, that feels mm. like a long time. Yeah. Can I
0: ask you, have you tried any of the medication again, like, strong, you know, Viagra or Cialis? I and... actually,
2: I haven't. I used it for six months and mm. I tested carefully towards the end of the six months. I stopped for a while and started again and it, it really had no detectable impact.
0: You should definitely I try did, again.
2: Yeah, I did. I wrote to my doctor after my last PSA test and said, "Can you give me another prescription?" And he didn't reply. So I'm thinking of going to so a new doctor. Why don't you just go to your
1: local stage. GP or local?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. And- um, I, I think I might I mean, try it.
0: I think you can buy it over the counter. In um, Can you not buy it over the counter in South Africa? I spoke to a, a gentleman in Zambia a couple of days ago, and he's in Zambia. They can buy it over the counter. No.
2: Okay. I don't know about I don't know about South Africa. I have had been using a prescription. I know it's just changed, I think, to have a generic now. So I might try yeah, that. It's yeah. much, much
1: cheaper. Definitely worth trying. Yeah, so that's kind of like a challenge dose. Yeah. So often talks about if you've got the Cialis um, form four tablets. of the- Yeah.
0: So basically the way you, a 20 milligram dose of Cialis is a challenge dose. And yeah. I definitely think that's something that guys miss. They like immediately post-op in the first few months try it and then give up because they go, oh, it doesn't work for me but it's it, it doesn't work for you then but it doesn't mean it's not going to work for you as the nerves heal so i always yeah. encourage my patients to give a challenge dose once every 4 to 8 weeks and take a yeah, full dose a month, yeah. yeah wait an hour and then stimulate and see because mm-hmm. it should hopefully as time goes on get better and better so
1: i think you should really try that you might mm-hmm. give yourself a nice surprise and another tip from my gentleman Ooh. that it works much better yeah. on an empty stomach
0: i need yeah so viagra works better on an empty stomach cialis is unaffected by food
2: okay okay well i mean i feel like the the big thing for me from all of this has been about taking charge of my own health yes and going out and finding people like you and finding i finally yes. found there are forums where people really talk about this great um very few most of them are very technical but there are some that talk about would what you be really able like. to
0: send us an email of the forums and we could put them in the show notes so other men would be able to access so, them That'd be
1: fantastic. Certainly,
2: I will.
1: But we're going um, to be, um, you know, winding up our conversation soon. Could you just tell us a little bit more about your own personal vlog, your roadmap, Road to Recovery? Because I think that's yeah. you know, what men want to hear from the other, you know, men's perspectives.
2: Yeah. So it's called recoveringman.net. One word, recoveringman.net. And it's a blog. And you can go there anytime and visit it and read it and comment if you like. And you don't have to put your real name if you're feeling a little awkward about writing. Um, You do have to put a real email address because it checks against spam. Mm -hmm. And it's really me telling my story. I'm kind of trying to think. I think Charles Dickens did this, did this, telling stories in episodes. So I'm telling my story more or less week by week starting um, more than a year ago when I was diagnosed. And I'm I'm basically one year in arrears. So right now I'm telling the story of when I was about one and a half months post-op, um, and all the reading I was doing about cancer at that stage. And I'm about to get into this terrible period we've been discussing about getting really floppy and despairing about ever having erections again. Um, and I'll basically be posting, you know, once a week, um, some aspect on you. of, on of you. this. That sounds.
1: And that's I'm right. building
2: up courage. That's I was going to say that is courageous in and brave.
1: And we had a quick look of it before we started chatting, and we were very impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks He's very. Spent very, a lot of time on it. Mm.
2: And I'm I'm looking for other voices. My wife's just written a, a, a guest blog for me. And I'm looking for other men who want to contribute because I think uh, there's space to have other voices, people who've had different experiences to mine or different perspectives to ah, mine. So. If you
0: go onto my website, the RS Health one, I have a blog there and I've got a a very entertaining man called his, his pen name is Tess Eichel. And he writes, he's written some guest blogs for me and I've, he's got some wonderful um, stuff. So if you, Want to, I'm sure I could put you in touch with him or I can put him in touch
2: with you and he might
1: contribute. He's fantastic.
2: It would be great. Yeah.
1: Wonderful. Well, we are um, going to say thank you very much, Mish. We love the connections, the international. We love the fact that you got in contact with us and then found out that I'd been in contact with people in your own home country. And uh, the circle of the globe continues to astound us very regularly. So you've made some awesome contributions to our discussions today from a very male perspective and and that's just, you know, gold to us. And
0: I would like to say as well that if any listeners are, you know, we'd like to get, um, hopefully would like to get Mish back and ask him some more detailed questions. So if anyone has anything else that they'd like to ask in a bit more detail, anything they've heard today, then please just send us an email on the penis podcast email and then we can get together some other questions for another time.
2: Well thank you. It's such a pleasure to be with you with with you both. As I say, Australia, particularly in physiotherapy, Australia seems to be leading the world and Joe is the leader of that as far as I can tell. So definitely
0: when it comes I'm to thrilled men thrilled
2: to be with you both. And oh, thank, thank you for all that you you and your country has done to help me and many other men in my part of the world. And
1: that's just wonderful so, so thank you for your honesty and your candidness and thank your wife too because she's really helped us help you wow. <laughs> and i think that isn't, you're talking about what fabulous. your wife
0: has done will help other couples a lot so it's fantastic thanks very much mish
2: thank you so much A
0: for that
1: warm afternoons hi this is dr Jory you so much for listening to our program today and we're pleased to let you know that we will be having weekly podcasts not fortnightly as originally proposed and this is because of the popularity of our podcast we're getting so many emails so many questions and so much feedback and melissa and i greatly appreciate it what we'd really love you to do is share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit including any man in your life simply download off spotify or subscribe to thepenisproject.org and then you'll get a weekly email of our newest releases also feel free to send us a review and this will greatly help in our ongoing ability to bring you new and fresh information as that's the way we build what comes next we also have show notes attached and this gives a bit of a background into any additional resources or explanations of what we're talking about. Finally, it's my great pleasure to let you know that PROST, the exercise program which sponsors our podcast, is now available on a USB resource for any man diagnosed with prostate cancer, an exercise program. Clinicians can buy these, as well as the everyday bloke. So feel free to check out prost.com.au. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. Shooting stones at each other through the trees.
2: We tried to deny the going down of the sun. We're just having too much fun.